morning, everyone. Today, the church gives us, uh, as the theme for today's Mass, today is Word of God Sunday. Uh, and so we're going to jump into that today. As Catholics, the first thing when we hear Word of God, we don't mean this. We can mean it in a secondary way. And yes, I, I oftentimes will say the Word of God, and I mean Scripture, and that is true. But the church, first and foremost, we understand that the Word of God is Him. The Word of God is not a book, it's a person. And this is why John's Gospel begins, and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. I could go on. Super powerful. So Jesus is the Word of God. And in a secondary way, uh, the Scripture, uh, one way to talk about the Bible is that Scripture is words about the Word. Words about the Word. But today I do want to focus in a particular way on Scripture, and you know that this is my heart, brothers and sisters, but I want your heart to be in the Scripture. I want it to permeate your heart. Right? Instead of knowing movie lines, you know, when you're in situations, you're like, man, this is just like Zoolander. I always date myself, too, because people are like, is that like 30 years ago? I don't know. But instead of that being kind of your reference for life, it should be the Word of God. It should be always just kind of on our lips. So, today's homily is sponsored by Origin, a frequent sponsor of this church. Um, Origin says this, and I have two quotes for you today from him. Origin, the first one today, he says, He's quoting Matthew 13, right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. You know that parable in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Origen says, that field, it seems to me, is the scripture. Planted with what has become clear in the words and other thoughts of the histories, law, and prophets. But the treasure hidden in the field consists of the concealed thoughts of wisdom hidden in mystery and in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The treasure buried in that field is the scripture. And so today I, wanna, I want you to walk away from today's homily and today's Mass. And I hope you go home today and you say, I want to know the Word of God better. I want it to live inside of me. I want to have it kind of just always on the tip of my tongue. Hebrews 4.12. There's a couple of quotes today I'm going to give you. In Hebrews 4.12, whoever wrote Hebrews says this. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, 
in discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is living and active. And so to start today, I want you to think about how easy it is for us to have things be dead words and not living words. So at the start of this semester, going into the spring semester, I've been thinking about it and I prayed and I thought, you know, I don't see my eighth graders enough. And so I decided that this spring I'm going to start teaching the eighth graders once a week. And so I have eighth graders for uh, Friday theology class. And God bless you, teachers. <laughs> and we've got two, a couple, three of our eighth graders up here today. Love you guys a lot. Uh, <laughs> But I was not meant to teach eighth grade. So our eighth graders, so I'm teaching and I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I reach these kids? And how do I kind of be in their life and how do I bring the faith alive for them? And so I thought, you know, well, let's pick a book of the New Testament and we'll just march through it together. And so on Friday we did... Romans. Thank you, Calvin. <laughs> See? We started off in Romans. And what's so easy for all of us to happen is we started in Romans 1, and I'm like, man, Romans 1.16, one of my favorite verses. Right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for in it is revealed the righteousness of God from faith for faith. Right? As it is written, he who by faith is righteous shall live. And I am so pumped. That passage is so rich. It goes so deep. And one of the kids, who shall remain nameless, had his head sleeping on the desk in front of me the entire class. <laughs> and here's the truth. is that For all of us, it's easy to have Scripture just be words on a page. Isn't it? It's really easy to have this just be words on a page. Today in our first reading, we have uh, the book of Nehemiah, which you might not have known as a book in the Bible. And Ezra the priest, this is after the Jews have been in exile, they come back to Jerusalem and they read the book of the Mosaic Law, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. From sunrise to sunset, they're reading the Bible. And that might just seem like something that happened in the past. What does it have to do with your life? But the Word of God is living and active. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Able to penetrate between joints and marrow. And discerning the thoughts of the heart. And I want to break that open for you today. One more quote from Origen. Origin today, in this, in this quote, is from a homily he gave on Exodus. And what he talks about, he, he's, he's in the middle of a passage, but he turns his mind to the image that's right above me. To the lamb seated, seated on that book with seven seals. That image starts in Revelation chapter 5. It works its way through Revelation chapter 8. So that's what Origen's referring to. And he says this, he says, If a book should be put into the hands of a man who cannot read, he would say, I cannot read. 
If it should be put into the hands of a man who can read, he would say, it is sealed. Maybe scripture feels to you like a book that is sealed. What happens in Revelation 5 is there's seven seals on the scroll of this book, and no one can open it. And John, actually, the angel that's with him, John the Apostle turns to the angel and he weeps because no one can open this book. And Scripture's not easy, brothers and sisters. And maybe it feels that way to you. How do, how do I open this book? Father Brian, how do, I, how do I read this book? I can read the words on the page, but how does it make sense? And then how does it actually come to speak to my heart? Origin goes on. So if it should be put into the hands of a man who can read, he would say it is sealed. Whence it is shown that we must not only employ zeal to learn the sacred literature, but we must also pray to the Lord and entreat day and night that the Lamb of the tribe of Judah may come and himself take the sealed book and deign to open it. So in Revelation 8, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, who's right above me in this image, he is the one in Revelation who because he has conquered and because he gave his life, he is able to open the book that is sealed. So Origen says two things there if you didn't hear it. He says, number one, you've got to be zealous. You actually have to have diligence and zeal to learn the scripture. And I want to challenge you on that. You might not know where to start. You know what? That's why we have a bookstore. And I'm not kidding. I, I oftentimes think like, you know, I didn't get those books out on the bookshelf there for decoration for our narthex. It's not why they're there. They're there for you guys to go deeper in your faith. Right now in the Catholic Church, there are more resources and tools for you to learn the sacred scripture than there have ever been in the history of Christianity. Ever. People in previous centuries would have killed to have what you have at your fingertips. So I want to encourage you to be zealous. That's the first thing that Origen says. The second thing he says, though, is that it might still be a sealed book. You might be zealous, you might be trying hard, but for whatever reason, it's kind of like Romans in eighth grade, and you're like, it's just kind of words on a page. And that's when you have to pray to the Lamb of the tribe of Judah to open the book so that it comes alive in you. Love that. How do we do that? I want to offer you three things today. All right, we've already talked about two of them, but I want the third one's the most profound. How do you get to a place where Scripture is not just something that is true, but it's something that lights your heart on fire? How do you get to that? And the main thing I want to say to you today, brothers and sisters, is that God's Word in the scriptures, in the Bible, was not written for someone else. 
It was not written for people in a different time. It was not written just as a fact book. It is not a car manual. It's not even a narrative. It is a narrative, but it's much more. The scripture is God's word specifically to your life in 2022. And so on, on Sundays, you know, Deacon Tom or uh, my, he'll read the gospel or one of our lectors. You know, Kevin today gets up and he says a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. But it isn't really to the Corinthians. It's to you. And you and I have to learn how to do that. When I was in seminary, I, my first year in seminary, I made a slideshow for my parents as a Christmas gift. And I went through all of our old family photos, and I scanned thousands of pictures, and I worked really hard the fall semester, and I made this slideshow for our family. Uh, and to this day, all of my family, we love that slideshow. It's super powerful. Clara was like a baby when that happened. And we went through all that, and for our family, it's really powerful. But if I made you watch it, which I might in one of these homilies someday, <laughs> if I made you watch it, you would be really nice and kind, and it would be torturous. I'd be like, oh, there's Grandma Ethel. You'd be like, don't care. <laughs> but really, but at the external, you'd be like, oh, that's so awesome, Father Brian. Oh. 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 <laughs> Scripture sometimes for us is someone else's story. It's a slideshow of someone else's family that you don't know. It's a letter written to somebody else. And if you treat it that way, you'll never, it'll never penetrate your heart. The saints all knew this. Three saints I want to tell you about today. St. Anthony of Egypt. Anthony of Egypt, also known as Anthony of the Desert, one of the greatest church fathers of the ancient world. Anthony, a young man, goes to Mass one Sunday, and the reading is the rich young man. I love this. He's sitting in the pews, right? He's in pew seven. And he's sitting there, and the gospel is read. And Jesus says to the rich young man, he says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And Anthony knew that that was not just a word that Jesus spoke to this rich young man hundreds of years earlier. He knew that God was speaking to him. And that day, he left Mass. He had an inheritance from his parents. He made sure that his younger sister would be cared for for the rest of her life. And he gave the rest of it to the poor. He went to the desert, gave his life for God, and became an inspiration for all of early Christianity in holiness and in what it meant to follow Jesus. By the way, all three of our readings today do the same thing. In Nehemiah, they read the law that's, that's a long way back. And the people in Nehemiah today, when they come back to, to uh, Jerusalem, they know that that scripture is for them. 
Jesus today, in Luke chapter 4, he reads from the book of Isaiah, an old word, hundreds and hundreds of years old, and Jesus says, today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, release to prisoners, the insight the, to the blind, to proclaim an acceptable year of the Lord. That's Isaiah chapter 61. And Jesus says in Luke 4, that's today. Scripture's not a word written for somebody else. It's written for you. Everyone who comes alive in their faith, there's a moment like this. And they realize it. So that happened to St. Anthony of Egypt. Famously, St. Augustine, Augustine one day, he's wrestling with whether or not he wants to follow Jesus. He's torn. He's got a bright future in front of him. He's getting kind of famous. He's teaching senators' kids. And he hears some children, and they're chanting, tole lege, tole lege, which means take and read. And Augustine was like, that's not a mistake. That's a word of God to me. He picked up the Bible, randomly opened it to the letter of Paul to the Romans. Just so you know. <laughs> Don't ever serve it at Mass. But Augustine randomly opens it to the end of Romans 13. And here's what it says. It says, you know what hour it is, how it is full time now for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Augustine knew that Romans 13 was for him. He knew it. Augustine had given his life over to pride and pleasure. He read that scripture verse. It goes on and says, Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Augustine knew that word was for him, and he was never the same ever again. At that moment, he decided to give his life to Jesus. He was baptized a Christian. His plan was to go live a life like St. Anthony of Egypt in the desert, to pray and study and fast. And Augustine became one of the most influential Christians in history. He didn't plan on it. It was just that he knew God's word was written to him and not somebody else. Then lastly today, so powerfully, a saint who's, who's not, she's not one of my saints I relate to the most, but for many, many of you she is. The same is true of St. Therese of Lisieux. St. Therese 
was already living a good Catholic life, but she was wrestling with, what's my place? Where do I belong? God, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do in my life? How am I supposed to matter in your church? And Therese is wrestling with this. She opened the Bible, and she opened it to today's second reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's one body, there are many parts. Remember that song? We are many. We're not going to do it. Are we singing that today? No, thank God. Okay. Um, <laughs> you guys are too easy. But Therese, she read that. And she reads through 1 Corinthians 12, and she's wrestling with, Lord, where do I belong? And she hears St. Paul say that Christ made first apostles, second teachers, third workers of miracles, then administrators, and on and on and on, speakers of tongues and interpreters. And Therese says, I did not recognize myself in any one of those places. None of them fit me, so she kept reading, and here's what she says. She says, I knew that the church had a heart, and that such a heart appeared to be a flame with love. And so Therese keeps reading the next passage after today's second reading, One Body, Many Parts, is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous or rude. It is not boastful. It does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the truth. Therese reads that and she says, I knew the church had a heart. And that such a heart appeared to be a flame with love. I knew that one love drove the members of the church to action. And that if this love were extinguished, the apostles would have proclaimed the gospel no longer. The martyrs would have shed their blood no more. I saw and I realized that love sets off the bounds of all vocations. That love is everything. That the same love embraces every time and every place. In one word, that love is everything. And this is so powerful. This is from Therese's diary. She says, then, nearly ecstatic, with supreme joy in my soul, I proclaimed, O oh Jesus, my love, at last I have found my calling. My call is love. Certainly I have found my proper place in the church, and you, have gave, you gave me that very place, my God. In the heart of the church, my mother, I will be love. And thus, I will be all things. Therese knew, brothers and sisters, that 1 Corinthians 13 was not some poetic kind of flourish just written 2,000 years ago that didn't mean much. Therese read 1 Corinthians 13 and she knew it was written for her. She knew it. If you're going to let Scripture live in you, today's Word of God Sunday, 
You have so many things you do in your life, and I know you're busy. Today's Sunday, today's a great day to dedicate to going deeper into the Word of God, but I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on. It's worth it. It's more than worth it. Three things you have to do. You have to be zealous and actually be disciplined. I recommend any book out there in our bookstore. You can go on form.org. You can do the Great Adventure Bible Timeline. You can come to RCIA. You can join a Bible study. There's a thousand things. If you need help, email me. We have to be zealous to learn the Word of God. Secondly, if it's not coming alive, we have to beg the Lamb of the tribe of Judah that he would open the scroll that is sealed. Jesus, would you make my heart understand this book that seems closed? Would you help it to go from being a dead word to a word that is living and active? And then thirdly, today, you have to know that Paul did not really write to the Romans or to the Galatians, that St. Luke did not really write to the Gentiles, but rather the Holy Spirit wrote to you. If you do that, you'll find that treasure buried in the field. Jesus, you are the Word of God. You are the Father's Word to us. Lamb of the tribe of Judah, will you open the words about you, the words about the Word? Would you open that book to us? May it be living and active. May it penetrate our hearts. Jesus, may we find the treasure buried in the field.